Good evening from our St. Louis Public Radio studio at Grand Center. I'm Don Marsh. Less than 40 minutes ago, Governor Eric Greitens announced his resignation, effective this Friday at 5 o'clock. It is the culmination of weeks of ongoing headlines and legal wrangling pertaining to charges of felony invasion of privacy and misuse of donor lists from the charity he founded. The mission continues. For the next hour, we will bring you reaction and further details and statewide coverage. We have a full crew available for our special coverage. Let's begin with the governor's announcement less than an hour ago. Good afternoon. Today, I am announcing that I will resign as governor of Missouri, effective Friday, June 1st at 5 p.m. I came to office to fight for the people of Missouri, to fight for the forgotten. I love Missouri and I love our people. That love remains. I am thankful to all those who have worked beside me sweated beside me, those who gave their time, their energy, and their precious resources so that we could pursue our mission of taking Missouri in a new and better direction. We have accomplished a lot together. I am proud of you, and I am proud of all of our work. The last few months have been incredibly difficult for me, for my family, for my team, for my friends, and for many, many people that I love. This ordeal has been designed to cause an incredible amount of strain on my family. Millions of dollars of mounting legal bills, endless personal attacks designed to cause maximum damage to family and friends. Legal harassment of colleagues, friends, and campaign workers. And it's clear that for the forces that oppose us, there is no end in sight. I cannot allow those forces to continue to cause pain and difficulty to the people that I love. I know, and people of good faith know, that I am not perfect, but I have not broken any laws nor committed any offense worthy of this treatment. I will let the fairness of this process be judged by history. It has been a great honor and a privilege to serve as your governor. Traveling the state, I have talked to many of you who harbor extraordinary anger the words of Governor Eric Reitens uh, less than an hour ago when he announced his resignation effective at 5 o'clock this Friday, June 1st. I think uh, the surprise announcement, and it was a surprise to many, Jason Rosenbaum, who's in studio with me, that was not a surprise to everybody. I was taken off guard a little bit because if I was going to take the governor by his word over the last five months, he steadfastly refused to step aside. And then today after a court ruled that his nonprofit has to turn over documents, his nonprofit that politically helped him, suddenly we get this surprise announcement. So I don't know if the two were linked, but the timing certainly is suspicious. But, you know, Don, there's a lot of emotions going through my head. 
you know, I'm about to go on paternity leave after Friday, and I'm gonna. I was expecting to watch this from afar. Um, now that this is coming to an end, this dramatic scandal that has captivated and horrified Missouri um, is coming to an end. I think that there will be reflections on what we can learn from it. There'll be reflections on what future Governor Mike Parson will mean for this state. But I think the moment today is really about how Governor Eric Greitens let a lot of people down. He let the people that voted for him down. He let his staff, many of which are fine people, down. He let his family down through his actions. And even though he's leaving office, he will be remembered for this moment. And he let himself down. I was just going to say we'd have to assume that he let himself down, too, given given his record and uh, the accomplishments that he has had. We also have with us online Brian Ellison, who is a host and contributor at public radio station KCUR in Kansas City. Brian, thanks for being with us. Is it too early to gauge any kind of reaction from where you are? Uh, I, I, it is too early to have talked to people since the resignation. It is not too early to know uh, what people have been saying about this in the days uh, leading up to this, which is uh, nearly across the board calls for the resignation by legislators of both parties. We have had in the last hour, I, I should mention, Donna, statements from the House leadership, uh, House Speaker Todd Richardson, Speaker Pro Tem Elijah Har. These are the Republican leaders of the House. Uh, they, they issued a statement within the past hour that says we believe the governor has put the best interests of Missouri first today by choosing to resign. Uh, They had called on him to resign, you might recall, long ago. Uh, Same from the Senate Democratic leadership. Uh, I think what I have heard from lawmakers in the last few days is honestly, a, a wish for this just to be over. Um, I, I hear the, the fatigue in, uh, in Jason's voice as he contemplates paternity leave. I, I think that is uh, a fatigue that was felt even by people who were not on their way to paternity leave uh, yeah. across the state, a sense that, um, that this, is, this is really exhausting. And, um, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to be at a, a luncheon here in Kansas City, uh, sponsored by the, the Chamber of Commerce, where Lieutenant Governor Mike Parson was speaking on Friday. Um, and uh, he, of course, in, as you would expect, got asked a question about all of this. And he said, uh, he, he, he chose his words very carefully, but he said, look, this has been a really difficult time for the state. Uh, we will get through this. But it had the talk of a of a a pep talk to a team that's losing at halftime. Uh, it, it was really a, a looking forward to the day when this would be over, which, as it turns out, is uh, is rapidly approaching. We also stay with us, Brian, and thanks for being with us once again. We also have with us uh, on the phone David Robertson, who's a political scientist with the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Dave, thank you for joining us on short notice. Yeah, sure. Hello. What do you make of this? I think it's a Shakespearean tragedy that's played out much of the way, but I don't think this is entirely over yet. Here is a central character who is very ambitious, very intelligent, and walked into office extremely inexperienced and was not very well skilled and not very willing to engage in compromise, to engage in building a coalition that would support his governorship and his later ambitions. And I think that helped bring him down. And you can hear in his resignation speech a sense of uh, victim victimization because of this event. He's leaving damage behind, and he's leaving some unsettled questions about 
the uh, political um, questions, the legal questions, and about the state of the Republican Party. Dave Robertson, stay with us. Uh, I'll turn back to Jason because Dave alluded to something that I thought of when I was listening to the governor, and that is this victimization feeling that he is the victim in all of this. Well, I've noted many times that there were likely forces that revealed this affair that had much to benefit from a Governor Parson. But after mentioning that, I often emphasize that the governor is responsible for his own behavior, as many people have rightfully put it out. The low-income housing tax credit people did not force Greitens to bring this woman into his basement and allegedly do pretty heinous things to her. And the low-income housing tax credit people did not tell him to potentially illegally obtain a fundraising list from the Mission Continues, uh, a charity that he ended up setting up. Excuse me, Jess. I think we'd better explain to the audience what you're referencing here. I think that there is pretty substantial and possible, possibly critical evidence that the reason that his affair was revealed in January was retaliation for the governor freezing the state low-income housing tax credit. The evidence you can see is by the uptick of media calls around the time that action occurred um, and also the Scott Fawn $100,000 situations. But frankly, it doesn't matter. Like, I think I always pointed out that even if it's true that certain interest groups used his his own actions for their own benefit, I mean, that's not their fault that he provided with them with ammunition. It's not their fault that he did all those things I just mentioned. It's Governor Eric Greitens' fault for allegedly doing what he did. Brian Ellison, do you see it the same way as Jason just described? Well, I think there's a, a lot of evidence that we don't know yet uh, to to confirm or not confirm the, the the speculation that Jason is is offering there. But having said that, I think I think his point that the governor is ultimately responsible for his actions and Eric Greitens, even before becoming governor, is responsible for his actions, uh, is an important point worth making again. Um, you know, one of the real uh, untold, it has been told, but but isn't told as often as the cost to the governor, um, which he emphasized today in his uh, resignation speech, all the ways that he and his family have suffered. One of the things that isn't spoken about as often are the ways that the woman with whom he had the affair uh, has been brought into this story. She didn't want to bring it up in the first place. Her ex-husband is the one who went to the media with tapes that uh, were recorded without her knowledge of her confessing her infidelity to him. Uh, she never wanted to come forward. She testified under subpoena. Um, her testimony was consistent, whether it was to the House Investigative Committee or to the prosecutors uh, in St. Louis. Uh, but she, at no point did she come forward and say, this is something I want to be doing. Uh, she she didn't have much agency in this process, and, and some would say she has suffered the most. I mean, to the extent that we have questions about that evidence, I think we're going to hear more about this. Uh, one of the statements that has come out in the past hour is from Senate Democratic leader Gina Walsh. Um, she does not make nice in her uh, comments about the governor's resignation. She says, quote, innocent people don't resign and criminals don't get let off the hook simply because they cut and run. Missourians deserve to know what laws were broken, what laws, what lies were told, and how deep the corruption went. That's from Senator Gina Walsh. So I think there's a, a lot to, to 
indicate that we're going to hear more about this and get to the bottom of some of those questions Jason raised. Jason? I, I would just say that the reason I get worked up about that point, and Don knows this because I was very animated last Friday, is if that aforementioned interest group, the low-income housing tax credit community, was involved in paying the attorney for the ex-husband uh, to make that story public, then they were part of a scheme that uh, effectively publicized a very traumatic event for a woman without her consent and against her wishes. And um, a lot of those interest groups are heavily connected to future Governor Mike Parson. He has been an unabashed supporter of the low-income housing tax credit. Many people in the Missouri political community have pointed out that if he becomes governor, he can reverse that embargo. It's a little bit more difficult now for reasons I don't really want to get into. But, you know, those are going to be questions that I think are going to immediately be asked when when Governor Parson becomes governor. How much did he know about this situation? He's told me through his spokesperson that he had no knowledge of these transactions. And that was kind of a sideshow when he was lieutenant governor. But when he becomes governor, those questions and and the people around him are going to become more pronounced. Those questions are going to become more pronounced once the Greitens sideshow leaves the stage and he is placed in a position of power and responsibility. Dave Robertson, what do you think the final straw might have been for the governor? Uh, the, the felony invasion of uh, privacy case, the donor list uh, that we've been talking about, or the fact that uh, he's been ordered to, uh, to uh, accept a subpoena and testify before the House committee? Well, it looks, without, without um, inside knowledge, it looks like the subpoena may have been the last straw because if, if he had to appear, uh, either decide not to appear or to decide and take the Fifth Amendment, you know, it would have been very, very hard on him. It would have been hard to avoid impeachment and conviction. Jason, do you have any thought on that? I, I think that, the, that from the sources that I was talking with today, the linkage between the Cole County uh, judge ruling about opening up the records to his nonprofit and his resignation were pretty clear. And, mm-hmm. the, and what, what I've been talking about from the outset is, uh, a bunch of his campaign staffers opened up a, a 501c4 called a New Missouri, which was used to both further the governor's prospects and also attack a lot of Republican lawmakers like Rob Schaff, Doug Leibla, and Gary Romine. And, you know, despite the fact that he told me and Joe Manis to our face in 2016 that he was all about transparency with campaign finance, his fi- campaign finance beca- finances became extremely opaque, and we never got to find out who was giving money to this nonprofit. So exposing this might have been so politically embarrassing to Greitens that he would rather leave office than reveal that information. I think that's pretty telling, given what I just said about his statements during the 2016 campaign. Brian Ellison, do you agree with many that uh, that the, the case of the donor list and the campaign money uh, was the more serious of the charges he was looking at. I do agree with that, certainly from the standpoint of uh, what would have happened in an impeachment proceeding. I talked to a number of Republican lawmakers who, who who told me sort of candidly that while they were appalled by the governor's behavior related to the affair, that alone would not have been enough for them to vote for impeachment. Uh, what was of concern to them were violations of the law, uh, violations of the law that occurred while he was governor or while he was campaigning for governor. Um, and, and I do 
agree with Jason. I it's hard to see the unfolding of events any other way than how they have unfolded here. Uh, the governor insisting that he wouldn't resign under any circumstances until uh, the judge is ruling today, um, which seems to have made everything suddenly be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, did you want to get in on it? No, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, this has been uh, a drip, drip, drip of um, a faucet of uh, of scandal that has just increased in flow and uh, reached um, a high point today. And, and it's created all of these problems that are still going to be ongoing, both political and legal. I wonder if any kind of a deal might have been struck. Of course, we don't know. We don't have a crystal ball. But uh, I've heard early on that uh, you know, maybe he did uh, strike a deal somewhere along the line to make this happen today. Dave, I'll start with you on that. Do you have any sense at all that this could be the case? Well, it could, but I'm not a lawyer, so I think these kinds of deals can be made um, fairly fairly often in a case like this. But whether it's the case in this one, I I don't know. Jason, any thoughts on that? Thoughts on what, Don? On the deal, on a potential for a deal to make this happen? Well, I'm seeing on Twitter, and the reason I had to ask that is I'm seeing some – Twitter traffic from reputable news source that, uh, and I'm reading this from Christopher Ave of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner says she has reached an agreement with Greitens lawyers over criminal charges, meaning this resignation is tied to a legal settlement. Gardner, I have been in contact with the governor's defense team over the past several days. We have reached a fair and just resolution of pending charges. We will provide more information tomorrow. But, Don, if this is Brian yep. here, it, it, let me also add, I'm seeing from a news source as well, both Jason and I are reporting from Twitter while we are on the air with you. Uh, Sam Hartle, who's a producer uh, at KSHB here in Kansas City, says that a Jackson County prosecutor spokesperson, so Gene Peters Baker, of course, is the special counsel uh, who was appointed by the St. Louis Circuit Attorney uh, to continue to consider whether to refile charges. A spokesman says that Gene Peters Baker's office says their investigation into charges against Governor Greitens continues. Um, and that's, and of course, she's just been the special prosecutor for, for a week now. So I, I'm just, I'm literally reading what's on my phone, and I wanted to provide the listeners with the, the most up-to-date information. And Christopher Ave of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch is a, is a very reputable source. So. We, have to, we have to take a break. We'll come back and continue this conversation and see what else we can learn as the story continues to unfold. This is special coverage from St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back. I'm Don Marth for our special coverage from St. Louis Public Radio on the resignation earlier today of Governor Eric Reitens. He has announced that he will leave office at 5 o'clock on June 1st. That is Friday. Lieutenant Governor Mike Parsons will take over the governor's role at that point. With me in studio is Jason Rosenbaum. We have on the line Brian Ellison, a host and contributor at public radio station KCUR in Kansas City. Also with us is David Robertson, political scientist at St. Louis University. Maybe we ought to talk for a moment about Mike Parsons. Uh, Parsons. There is no S. Okay. Well, thank you for correcting that. Um, Most people are not terribly familiar with lieutenant governors, and I suspect that's the case as it always has been here in Missouri. Uh, Give us a thumbnail of Mike Parsons. Mike Parsons is the former sheriff of Polk County, which is a county in southwest Missouri. He was elected to the Missouri House 
I believe in the early to mid-2000s, won an election to a Senate seat that takes up a chunk of southwest Missouri in 2010, ran for lieutenant governor in 2016 after almost running for governor, um, won a very competitive primary uh, against Bev Randles, who is an attorney from Kansas City, and then ended up winning fairly decisively over Congressman Russ Carnahan in that particular election. He's a very fascinating uh, political figure for me because he's been a lot more straightforward with what he believes. And oftentimes what he believes is not necessarily within the grain of Republican politics. I mentioned the low-income housing tax credit situation, which actually is kind of a mainly a Republican issue that a lot of Republicans agree with. But he has told me that he's in favor of increasing taxes for roads. I think that he disagreed with the way the governor handled the Board of Education situation, where he stacked or Greitens stacked the board and then ousted the uh, commissioner. I think that he might have a resolution to that. And I also think that he, since he is a former legislator, and even though he's not universally beloved by everybody in the legislature, I think that he has a more uh, keen Uh, insight into the legislative process. So I think that he has the opportunity that Greitens squandered to become one of the most effective Republican chief executives in Missouri history, because there are so many Republicans in the General Assembly. And um, if he is willing to work with them on a whole host of issues, even after a a session that was very successful, I think that he he may have a legacy that vastly surpasses Greitens' terms of policy. Brian Ellison, how is he viewed from Kansas City? Well, I think uh, in some ways, to to emphasize even further what Jason is saying, uh, Mike Parson, I think, is just about everything that a Republican politician could be that Eric Greitens was not. Uh, He is uh, well-established, well-liked across the spectrum. He actually has good relationships with many Democrats in Jefferson City. Um, Here in Kansas City, he is known as a friend of the business community. He was very warmly received at that Chamber of Commerce lunch I mentioned last week. Uh, The Missouri Republican Party chairman, Todd Graves, is an attorney here in Kansas City. He just issued a statement, actually, uh, that tells you where the minds of Republicans are right now. He says, uh, there is no doubt our party has faced a difficult couple of months, but make no mistake, Missouri Republicans know there is much at stake this November, and we will be united in our efforts to champion common sense conservative values across the board. Mike Parson is uh, the right face for the party in what now will be perhaps a more uh, a more contested election, which is not to say that those Republican supermajorities in both the House and the Senate are in any serious jeopardy, but Democrats have been really ramping up their efforts to field candidates across the state. And if you're a Republican legislative candidate right now, uh, a Lieutenant Governor Mike Parson or a Governor Mike Parson is exactly the kind of candidate you want uh, campaigning beside you. And Dave Robertson, forgive me if a moment ago I said you were with St. Louis University, of course, with the University of Missouri-St. Louis, so forgive me for that. Thank you. Uh, uh, having just heard Brian talk about the, uh, the impact potentially on the election, uh, that's your field. That's in your wheelhouse. What are you thinking? I think it, uh, the Democrats are uh, on the offensive, that they uh, will pursue a lot of themes, and that... In fact, Greitens is going to remain the face of the Republican Party through um, the opposition ads for the incumbent Republicans into the fall. And corruption is going to be a major theme in this election, and you're seeing it already. I don't think Greitens is going to leave the stage just because he has resigned from office, because he'll be 
seen as very prominent, just the way Rod Blagojevich was in Illinois. Jason, what kind of damage control is out there potentially, given what's happened and uh, what lies ahead? If you noticed in the beginning parts of this scandal in January, the vast majority of people that called for him to resign were Republicans, because I think that they realized that Greitens was going to be toxic to them around election time. And frankly, some people might have been legitimately betrayed by by what he was accused of doing. And I I think that that was the first course of damage control. And then after the very startling and disturbing House report where Greitens um, was accused of sexually and physically abusing the woman he had an affair with. It, it, it went beyond just kind of the uh, several, you know, lay members of the legislature wanting him to resign. And then it became like members of leadership and Josh Hawley, who's the attorney general, and even Claire McCaskill, who is a Democrat, but had held off on calling for Greitens to resign up until that moment. Um I think that was the damage control, because I think that the Republicans saw how damaging Greitens would be for uh, uh, their political prospects. I think that they saw, for example, in the Kansas City area, that Greitens was likely going to cause a Senate seat that had been held by a Republican, Ryan Silvey, to be handed to a Democrat, Lauren Arthur, in that special election. That still may end up happening. It's a Democratic-leaning Senate seat, but I think that's going to be a canary in the coal mine to how Republicans feel about this, because just as there were a lot of Republicans that wanted Greitens gone, he also had some pretty fierce fans who were upset with the effort to push him out. Brian Ellison, it's hard to imagine anybody with a better resume going in than than Eric Greitens had, but he seemed to change his stripes and become more conservative uh, as as the campaign unfolded and certainly as he became governor. Uh, What do you make of that, and, and what are people in Kansas City What have they been thinking about that over the last year and a half or two? Well, there's good documentation for the the claim that you're making there, Don, that that Eric Greitens became more conservative. Uh, In some of the papers we have read, the transcripts of testimony uh, that emerged as part of the House Investigating Committee uh, uh, investigations, uh, we we learned that Governor Greitens, uh, in fact, sort of was trying to learn how to speak Republican, how to how to sound more conservative, how his answers would play with the conservative base he was going to try to attract in the campaign. Um, over time, though, I, you know, I, I might push back on the assessment that he had a great resume. He had a great resume for a lot of jobs. Uh, certainly, uh, he would be the the first to tell us all many times that he was a Navy SEAL, that he was an outsider. Uh, he had written books about integrity and ethics. Uh, he was a Rhodes Scholar, uh, a graduate of Duke. But at the same time, uh, he did not have much of a political resume. He had to sort of create that out of whole cloth in the couple of years before the election. Uh, he didn't play by the rules. He lifted that up as a strength. But when we're talking about qualifications for elected office and the ability to function, especially in a place like Jefferson City, uh, a capital that is uh, full of uh, backroom conversations and intersecting relationships, uh, his lack of experience with the political system and process and with Missouri's political community actually turned out to be quite a liability for him. Uh, you're right. I think he did try to change his tune as uh, as his campaign and then as his governorship went on. I think even to the end, uh, these, these claims that this is a political witch hunt, the repeated invocation of George Soros, the so-called liberal billionaire who was uh, allegedly funding uh, the prosecutor, uh, all of those claims were an effort to try to reestablish himself as the conservative that those who 
who wanted to see him uh, attain higher office, wanted to make him out to be. As it turns out, uh, the, the, the thinness of some of those claims uh, has, has come back to haunt him. Dave Robertson, uh, we're winding down this segment, but let me just get your, your take uh, on that, the, the change in the man. I think that he, well, the testimony of his uh, uh, campaign aide was devastating, I thought, for explaining um, Eric Greitens because it portrayed an individual who had to be taught how to be a conservative Republican and really has echoed some of the themes at the national level uh, that have been lodged over the past several uh, months and the last couple of years. Uh, I don't I think that he perhaps thought that that was going to uh, save him in the state of Missouri in particular, where President Trump did so well in the 2016 election. But he ran into uh, a legislature that is, uh, as Elliot said, uh, the um, uh, a, a pretty conservative legislature in a more conventional sense that uh, they didn't want to have a lot of um, rocking of the boat. They wanted to proceed uh, with some of the established patterns they had. And Greitens did not want to contribute to that and didn't know how to how to play in that uh, arena. And I think that contributed to his demise. Yeah, it's part of certainly a good part of uh, his paying the price. Uh, I have to say goodbye to you, David Robertson. Thank you so much from the University of Missouri-St. Louis for being with us. Always great to chat with you. Jason, I know you've got other things to do. Jason Rosenbaum, political reporter. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We're going to continue our conversation now with the journalist and attorney Bill Freivogel, who is joining us, along with Marshall Griffin, our Statehouse reporter. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us. Quite a late afternoon, I would say, Bill. How are you reading it? I mean, I was stunned, uh, as I think almost everyone was. Uh, I, I had actually taken the governor at his word that he was going to fight this out. Uh, you know, I mean, they were they were broadcasting uh, commercials uh, in defense, you know, in real t- in real time. So I, I, I was stunned. I mean, last week though, what I thought was a very bad week for the governor uh, at the. Uh, at the hearings, uh, House uh, investigative hearings. I mean, at one, one day, uh, uh, Barnes, uh, the head of the committee and a Republican, uh, told, uh, he made a comment about how uh, the governor's lawyer, uh, Edward Dowd, had lied to the committee three straight days. Uh, the, the committee was tired of the governor not showing up and subpoena, subpoenaed him. Uh, so, you know, the prospect of that subpoena and then of having to comply with the record subpoenas due to the today's court uh, decision. I mean, those those probably had had an effect. And Marshall Griffin, you're really at the center of the universe of this story right now in Jefferson City. Uh, it's early, but what are you hearing? Well, uh, f- first, let me start out by telling you, I, I was in the room for the announcement. And, and I mean, there was there was already conversation that, you know, and speculation that this was what was going to happen. But I don't think, I'm not sure any of us actually really believed it until um, until Eric Greitens actually said he was going to resign as governor. I, I mean, even I felt, even though I knew that that was possibly why we were all there, I still really couldn't believe what I was hearing. And that's based on his stance, um, you know, leading up to today that, you know, he's, he's always been defiant. 
he's always said, I'm, you know, this is this is an attack by, you know, interests that uh, want to bring me down, and we're going to fight this. He's, you know, he kept saying he's kept saying he was innocent, kept saying that this was a witch hunt, and you know, you know, right up until today. And he, and when he when he left the room, he 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 read a brief statement, didn't take any questions. Um, when he left the room, you know, normally, you know, as a reporter, you just, you know, go and go on to your next assignment or go, you know, go on and get busy with things. I think most of us just kind of sat there after he left from the room, like, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> we, everybody was just kind of sitting there, not quite believing what had happened. But at the same time, uh, a, a few people also said, okay, so is anyone else going to come out and talk? And uh, I think Parker Bryden said, no, that's it, we're done. And at that point, we all felt comfortable to get up and rush out and get the stories on the air. Again, it, it is early, but do you have any sense? Uh, has anybody mentioned what the final straw might have been uh, to cause this announcement today? Well, I, I think two things. Number one, earlier this morning, uh, Judge John Beatham ruled that uh, Greitens from Missouri and a new Missouri had to turn over all documents being subpoenaed by uh, the committee chaired by Jay Barnes. That ruling came down today. He said that ruling said that all documents must be turned over starting immediately and and must all be in possession of the committee by this Friday. That that happened. Uh, that happened today. Uh, and secondly, maybe just what uh, what was just said a few minutes ago about um, about what uh, was said during the committee meeting today. And I was in that committee meeting as well. The fact that um, that um, Michael Hafner said, you know, you know. And I, and I I tweeted about this, and it wasn't an exact quote, but it was just kind of a summary that I the the impression that Eric Greitens had to be taught how to speak Republican, and that was uh, a, you know was a message that Hafner basically described as you know what they had to do um, back years ago when when um, Eric Greitens was making the decision to run as a Republican for governor. Bill Freivogel, we brought this up in the uh, first segment of the program, and I, I had to preface it by saying no one is prescient at a time like this. But does this have any kind of uh, aroma of a deal having been struck to cause this to happen today? Well, one would expect that the governor and the governor's lawyers would have tried to work out a deal before an announcement like this was made. Um, and I, I guess there have been some uh, some tweets from the Post-Dispatch indicating that maybe uh, Kim Gardner will announce some sort of a, a, a deal. Um, I mean, there's a there's a tension between on the one on the one hand, the governor is sort of portraying himself uh, as the, the victim of an unfair process uh, on, on, on the one hand. And then on the other hand, the sort of need to get the. Uh, to some closure uh, and have maybe plea bargains in connection with some of these pending criminal cases. I mean, I think the best thing for the state of Missouri and for the, um, you know, both the people and the government and probably probably for the Republican Party as well would be a, a plea bargain that would uh, end these cases and, um, and allow Missouri to turn the page uh, but you know you can't. It can't. You, you, these cases can't just be dropped without the admission of, um, uh, without the governor admitting wrong. 
Uh, Brian Ellison, are you still there? I'm still here. Do, do you want to weigh in on anything you've heard? I almost forgot. You were so quiet there. I almost <laughs> forgot forgot you were there. Well, certainly happy to uh, to listen to to the experts. Yeah, I do think the the, the legal questions as they continue to unfold will be really interesting. Um, I I have heard speculation about whether we will be looking at federal investigations, especially given uh, the possibilities of of money. Uh, election campaign contributions and so on. Um, and I think a lot of us expected that perhaps one reason the governor had not resigned uh, up to this point was that it, uh, resigning might be a bargaining chip um, to deal with uh, with federal charges. And so uh, it is interesting to, to see that that might be out of the picture at this point. Uh, I also uh, am interested in, as I'm hearing uh, Marshall talk about uh, being in the room and the surprise uh, of the folks in that place, um, to, it'll be interesting to hear what the governor's staff have to say in the next few days. Um, what we didn't see in that close camera shot of the governor, we saw him tearing up and breaking down. But but there really are a, a lot of other people whose lives have been pretty profoundly affected by this uh, this journey. I've had you know some conversations with some of them off the record uh, where it's obviously taking a real toll on them. Uh, but but some of these folks, I mean, uh, some of those campaign aides who uh, dropped out of college to be part of the governor's campaign, um, they've they've in some ways given up everything, what's what's next for them? That'll be an interesting thing in the days to come as well. Marshall, I have to take a break, but if you can hold this to 30 seconds, can you set any kind of a scene for us in terms of the way people are, are, are moving and body language, that sort of thing in the Capitol? I think uh, a little bit of a little bit of stunned silence. Um, and it, it, although, to be fair, um, it's after 5 o'clock, and the, the Capitol's mostly deserted right now, except for those of us who are covering this story. And, uh, but I will tell you this, uh, Lieutenant Governor Mike Parson is expected to arrive at the Capitol uh, sometime in the next half hour. So the, we don't know if he's going to speak to the media or, or just release a written statement. Well, I understand he's going to speak at 6 o'clock, but we'll, uh, we'll find out more about that in just a moment. We'll continue our special coverage from St. Louis Public Radio in just a moment. This is 90.7 KWMU. Hello again and welcome back. I'm Don Marsh. We're continuing our special coverage from St. Louis Public Radio on the resignation earlier this evening of Governor Eric Greitens. We have with me in studio Ryan Delaney, who has just joined us, and we'll talk with him in just a moment. But also available to us is Marshall Griffin, our State House reporter. He's, of course, in Jefferson City. Attorney and newsman Bill Freivogel is also with us by phone. And Brian Ellison is with us. He's with KCUR Radio in Kansas City. Uh, Marshall, I know your time is limited, but let me come back to you just to get some, uh, some boilerplate stuff out of the way. What happens now to the House committee? What happens to the special session after all of this? Um, well, it's, it's too soon to say uh, exactly what will happen, but I can already tell you that uh, there, were, there were meetings scheduled all this week uh, by the uh, House, Inve- House Investigative Committee. All of those meetings have now been canceled, so no, me- no meetings the rest of the week. Um, next week, uh, the governor was scheduled to testify, and, as, and then on uh, Tuesday of next week, the, uh, the woman they had an affair with was scheduled to also testify again, uh, presumably um, in private, not in public. But all of, all of that's out up in the air right now. Uh, we haven't heard anything official as far as you know, whether whether or not the uh, special session will be, you know, adjourned sine die. You know, because there seems to be no point in having a special session now. But uh, the only the only official thing I can tell you is that the uh, committee that's been investigating the governor has canceled all of its meetings for the rest of the week. 
Marshall, I can only imagine it, how relieved the woman in this case must feel now that this point has been reached. And I think she has testified, what, six or seven times, and maybe it was about to be the seventh time. It was, it was actually about to be the eighth time. Was it really? Uh, and, and frankly, uh, Jay Barnes wasn't even sure um, about that. They were, he was thinking six times, and some, one of the uh, fellow members of the committee said, no, I believe it was seven. I mean, they were, they were actually discussing this <laughs> uh, last Friday, uh, during, which was actually a very combative, um, combative um, hearing that particular day. Um, and if I can throw in one thing, and uh, maybe Brian Delaney will probably cover this a little bit more, the, some of the side effects now. I'm, we're getting press releases now from people on other, in other areas, like the Missouri School Boards Association, now saying, well, that uh, now that Greitens will be stepping down, it's time to you know, move on to educational issues. We all know the State Board of Education uh, is currently without a, without a quorum, and they're supposed to meet next month. Also, um, Supporters for uh, Missouri death row inmate Marcellus Williams are now urging the Governor Greitens to um, uh, to commute his sentence um, before he steps up, before he steps down on Friday. So a, a lot of a lot of uh, side requests are now coming in as well. You're going to be a busy guy for the next days. There's no question about that. Uh, we'll let you go, uh, Marshall. I know you have uh, other things to do and are a busy guy. But I want to turn to Brian and to Bill Freivogel here because uh, we had established early on in the uh, discussion here that uh, the governor came off today in his statement uh, as something of uh, a victim, feeling that he was a victim in this case. Uh, Brian, let me start with you. Uh, do you. Do you want to uh, comment on that? Well, yeah, I think those are words that a lot of uh, legislators found incredibly difficult to hear when the governor said them when these allegations first came out, and I, I don't think they were any easier for those uh, those folks to hear today. Uh, what what he said in his uh, address, as we heard at the top of the hour, uh, Don, was, was that he says, I know I'm not perfect, but I have not broken any laws or committed any offense worthy of this treatment, um, and portrayed uh, today's decision in part as putting to an end... Um, his own victimization and, and that of his family. Um, I think that is not how legislators see it for the most part uh, or other elected officials in Missouri. And I, I wonder if it's how citizens of Missouri see it either. Um, just just by way of example, uh, among as Marshall mentioned, we're already getting press releases from all sorts of folks across the state and people making statements. The, there will be an election coming up next week in Missouri. There's a state Senate election here in the Kansas City area. And both of those candidates were very quick to make public statements. Uh, the Republican, Kevin, they're both state representatives running for the Senate. Republican Kevin Corlew says uh, that we turn, today we turn our attention back to the sober task of governing. Um, and they said that he's ready to work with Governor Mike Parson. Uh, he has called on the governor to resign and to be impeached uh, previously. Uh, he does that as a Republican and has, uh, in his own emphasis on family values, uh, shown little patience for, uh, for the governor's sense that, that he is a victim in, here, in this case. I should mention that uh, Corlew's opponent, Representative Lauren Arthur, the Democrat, also issued a statement and said she's glad the governor resigned, but he should have done it sooner. Mm. Bill Freivogel, your take on the uh, victimization thought. Well, yes, I, I was struck by his portraying himself as a as a victim, and um, and I just uh, I just think that will not go down well with anyone. Uh, you know, he he you know he can't hope to just uh, walk away claiming innocent and he was a victim of an unfair uh, of an unfair witch hunt like he like he has been claiming. Um, but one thing I was struck by that was different than, than the scene one would uh, often find in similar kinds of 
resignations in other states is that, but it was uh, was that neither was uh, was Graydon's wife uh, there, nor did he take questions. Of course, it's not particularly unusual for uh, at all unusual for him. He hasn't taken any questions throughout this whole process. Um, but you know, oftentimes uh, um, the the wife is uh, used as a prop, and either uh, he chose not to, or she chose not to be used that way. Bill, we're having a little problem uh, with your transmission from your cell phone. You might want to change positions if you can a little bit, see if we can get a better signal. I'll turn to uh, Ryan Delaney after thanking Marshall Griffin for having been with us, uh, doing yeoman's work down there in Jefferson City. But Ryan is in studio, and Ryan, you too have been busy. Who have you been talking to? Who have you been hearing from? Uh, me and a couple of colleagues have just been sort of collecting tweets and, and statements coming in through email from both uh, Republicans and uh, Democrats throughout this state and, and representatives in Washington from Missouri. You uh, Did you have an opportunity to talk to Kim Gardner? I did not. We did get an emailed uh, statement uh, from the circuit attorney by way of uh, an email from her state, uh, her spokeswoman. Uh, basically, the the headline there is that uh, she says that she has been in touch with the governor's legal uh, team over the past several days, and they have um, reached to, to quote a fair and just resolution of the pending charges. Um, and we do expect more information on that tomorrow. Uh-huh. Well, that is uh, significant, and may have a, a a lot to do with what happened this afternoon. Yeah, it, it's hard to know too mm-hmm. much. Um, I'm I'm not as good as some of your other guests at reading the political tea leaves, but it was uh, just about two weeks ago that uh, Gardner dropped her uh, charges against the governor, um, as we remember the governor, standing on the steps of the, the courthouse um, claiming victory. So it's been quite the two weeks since then, but uh, we should know more. It, it, it seems to imply some sort of settlement, but this is not the only um, pending legal case against the governor that we've um, been eyeing the last few months. Yeah, Brian, do you want to, to, to uh, comment on any of that? Well, sure. I, you know, I think that's very interesting, and I'm certainly eager to hear what comes out of the St. Louis City Circuit Attorney's Office. But, but I think the governor's got more problems than just the the single case involving invasion of privacy. Uh, I don't know if her reference to a possible resolution also included the the material that had been referred from the Attorney General's office relating to computer data tampering, the the charity donor list case. Uh, but we know that there are other investigations pending. Uh, the Attorney General uh, continues to look into these matters. He has said that that, that matter is not closed. Uh, and of course, uh, things that go beyond state uh, criminal investigations might still be investigated. You know, even, even w- what Marshall was describing, yes, this special investigative committee was formed to consider in part articles of impeachment against the governor, but their mandate was to investigate the governor. It could be that there will be more investigation to do. Maybe there is more to, uh, to discover beyond just uh, the possible criminal violations. Well, speaking of the attorney general, uh, John, Josh Hawley. Ryan, you've got some some word from him? Yeah, it's a short statement, just about uh, three sentences here, that uh, Governor Greitens has, quote, done the right thing today, and uh, he wishes Governor Parson well and is ready to stand by him. And that's been a a similar theme here from um, both Republicans and Democrats saying that they, um, uh, you know, are are ready to work with... um, I guess I don't know the official title, but uh, governor in waiting, maybe um, Mike Parson to, um, you know, for this transition. One thing that I will say that I've gleaned from some of the uh, Republican statements uh, is not really any sort of thanks for service to the governor um, for his time. I I think that's kind of an indicator of ill will that has been um, bouncing around between uh, Republican leadership and um, 
you know, in the governor's office uh, for the last six months or so. Um, and even uh, Democrats, um, you know, Gail McCann Beatty, the um, Democratic uh, minority leader in the uh, in the House, um, saying obviously these have been troubling times. Um, that uh, Missouri's highest office is, quote, no place for beginners, and that um, Governor Parson, quote, possesses the integrity his predecessor lacked, and that uh, Democrats are looking forward to working with him. Zing, zing. There. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Joe Venice is with us, <laughs> ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, I've been taking – I mean, uh, Ryan's done this fabulous job of getting a lot of the React stuff together, and I've been going through it and to put some into our web post and also a few other things. A couple notable things. Um, a, the uh, state Republican Party chairman, Ryan may already have mentioned him. Uh, I have not, but I have the statement. Todd Graves. But what's interesting is he, I'd known him for a long time. He zeroed in immediately on what their issue had been. They're concerned about November. And, mm-hmm. and so he was saying, you know, that Parsons understands the stakes and protecting our majority in the General Assembly and then going after Claire McCaskill. And so, I mean, he didn't play around at all. And the other common thread is that the unanimity among the Republicans, there's nobody out there saying, gee, we're sorry to see him go. I mean, and in fact, it's not like six months. It's been like since, I'd say within a few days after his inauguration. And some would say even during his campaign when he was threatening to throw people down the steps of the Capitol. But I think some people thought that was political rhetoric. But then within weeks after he took office, he was going after fellow Republicans, running ads against them. He called that special session a year ago on stuff that they said could have been handled during the regular session. I mean, this acrimony has been going on for a long time before the mystery woman showed up. Yeah, right. There really is a lesson for other politicians in this, isn't there? You, you really have to try to get along at least a little bit with, with your friends and your enemies in politics. Well, I mean, because, yeah, what comes around goes around. Yeah. And what happened is that um, when this came up of all days, the state of the state address, and I was in Jeff City when it broke, um, then there's nobody to stand by you. I mean, what we were hearing whispers is that some of the Republicans early on that day, that night rather, and the next day, we're saying, well, if nothing else comes up. But but then gradually other things did. Then they started, when he didn't step down over the sex, then they began looking at some stuff that, frankly, has been covered by press, including us, for a couple years. I mean, the whole stuff about his campaign finance operations. And uh, I think that one of the things that may have started forcing him to decide no. to step down was the fact that the judge ordered this morning that he's got to turn over those financial records, which meant he was going to have to appeal that to, you know, appeals court, could end it before the state Supreme Court. You're talking about this going on for months, him trying to protect his financial records. And and that, I think, they just, I think the fellow Republicans were like, this kid's got to quit. How do you think Josh Hawley is feeling? We've heard his statement. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah oh, but, yeah. Yeah. Because, but, in fact, I was dealing with this office earlier today because we've been negotiating for them to come over for him to do a podcast and and some stuff. And um, anyway, just trying to get him on the phone because he's been busy with some things lately. And some having to do with he didn't really want to say more than he told me a couple of weeks ago about Graydon's. But I think it's interesting now that this um, basically this cloud has been lifted I think Holly, you'll see probably Holly going more on the attack. 
Um, you'll see the Democrats are going to have to pivot. Not that they can't still bring up Greitens. In fact, uh, uh, State Auditor Nicole Galloway, who's the other statewide Democrat in the ballot, put out a statement basically saying he's corrupt. He's, yeah. he's corrupt. And this just goes to show blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right. So, now, the one person well, who hasn't said anything yet, McCaskill, unless I've missed it, she hasn't said anything. Not that we've seen yet. I want to bring up Brian Ellison back into this because I think he can uh, give us more on, on Josh Hawley. Well, I think that's right. I, I think Joe Manis is making a very important point there that, that this does have a, a really serious dramatic impact on the U.S. Senate race. Uh, one of the realities, though, is that, and Dave Robertson uh, made this point earlier in this hour, that uh, Eric Greitens will still be the face of the Missouri Republican Party, at least according to Democratic campaign ads <laughs> for the rest of this year. And and we've already got ads running that uh, that hit Josh Hawley for not investigating Eric Greitens harder to the degree that Eric Greitens has now resigned, uh, which will be seen as some people as acknowledging wrongdoing. That doesn't help Josh Hawley. That only makes it worse that he didn't uh, pursue the investigations more fully or more quickly, at least in the minds of, uh, of, those, of, of those Democratic voters. Now, the question is, I think, though, uh, you know, more to the point, how do the Democrats pivot? Yes, they, they will make some changes. But, but what is the line that actually gains them any ground at this point? Uh, Josh Hawley, uh, in some ways, what he has going for him is that he is the anti-Greitens. Uh, he is um, he's fairly squeaky clean. He, uh, as far as we know, <laughs> I should say, uh, he is uh, a religious person who uh, speaks frequently of the way that his uh, faith guides his uh, his work and his political perspective. Uh, he was quick to condemn the governor, and uh, and his his standing vis-a-vis uh, -vis Claire McCaskill uh, might rise uh, as a result of having Greitens out of the picture, and certainly uh, having the headlines about him and about his campaign efforts not being dominated by the Greitens case every day. Very quickly, Ryan. Time is winding down. Uh, yeah, you had yeah. Just else quickly to um, go off of um, Joe mentioned what uh, Auditor Galloway had said, and uh, Brian talking about uh, where Democrats might take this. In a, a statement that we got uh, a couple minutes ago from uh, State Democratic Senator uh, Gina Walsh, who's the minority leader in that chamber, saying that uh, first of all, innocent people don't resign. Um, so more biting comments from the Democrats, but also she continues to say that Missourians deserve to know what laws were broken, what lies were told, and how deep the corruption went. So it seems like at least. Democrats and uh, in the Senate and Gina Walsh aren't going to let this rest, even though uh, the governor has resigned. We'll be hearing much more. Joe, a little over a minute left. Were you surprised with the announcement today? I was a little bit surprised by the timing, but you'd been hearing, I mean, especially when I was in Jeff City last week, and with the subpoena that he was supposed to have to appear next Monday, you kept thinking, unless he was going to provide those financial records, and I just didn't think he was. The clock was ticking, and especially because they were attacking uh, Jay Barnes, the uh, Republican chairman of this House committee, who's a Jefferson City lawyer, pretty well respected on both sides of the aisle, and just really going after him late last week. And uh, he was fighting back. I thought, you know, the headlines just aren't good for Republicans. And in fact, Roy Blunt had told me this about a month ago. But he predicted he wasn't getting into what might happen with Greitens, but he figured that things would change. And that just goes to show you hang around long enough, it changes. In 30 seconds, and I mean 30 seconds, what kind of a governor is Mike Parson going to be? He's uh, very close to most of the leadership in the General Assembly. Um, he's a former sheriff, so there's going to be a lot of stuff about a new sheriff in town. And I predict that he will probably very quickly pivot to some of the issues involving the State Board of Education. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we're going to have to leave it at that. Uh, what an afternoon it has been. Uh, some people have been surprised and others not so much so. But uh, we have to repeat the news for those of us who are just joining us that early this afternoon, about 20 minutes after 4, Missouri Governor Eric Greitens announced that he was going to be resigning and that that resignation would become effective at 5 o'clock on Friday, the 1st of June. That's when it's going to happen. That's when Mike Parson, I guess Joe, will be sworn in at that, uh, at that time, correct? Yes, yes. And then the issue will be uh, there will be no l- lieutenant governor and there's no process in place All righty. Well, for a new lieutenant governor. So Much to be reported in the days and weeks and perhaps even the months ahead. I want to thank you all so much for being with us. Once again, the announcement that Governor Eric Greitens has announced his resignation effective 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon. Our thanks to the many guests who joined us this hour and to the public radio stations KBIA in Columbia and KCUR in Kansas City who have joined us and for all the reporters who have done such yeoman's work all day today to bring this story to us in the last hour and a half or so. Thank you all. This is special coverage from St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.